Hello and welcome to episode 732 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, August 28th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, you living? Uh, yeah, I'm making it. School is... I'm back to school, so it's <laughs> my schedule has gone from uh, weird to crazy, uh, but I'm here, I'm, and I'm surviving. Well, glad you're here, and uh, we're going to talk some baseball for a little bit, but then you'll have to get back on your grind, because you got, at least you're not writing football, because then that would make things yes. even more crazy. I mean, you're studying some for your leagues and whatnot, but uh, you're not having to, uh, to to write football, which I'm sure... As you're coming down the stretch in fantasy baseball and being a father, husband, and going to school, I mean, whew, lots, lots yeah, to deal with. I'm I will super- say this. Your your crowded schedule has not impacted your DFS ability. You're kind of on a heater. Boom. It's it's funny because I, I started off the year really, really hot in DFS. Uh, and then, like, I hit a June swoon like you wouldn't believe. It was like I couldn't get – I mean – uh, my June was so bad that I like it crushed any chance of winning Tout Daily. Um, now I made the playoffs in Tout Daily, which was nice, and made it to the mm-hmm. second round. Uh, uh, big shout out to Derek Van Riper over at the Athletic, who uh, who won uh, the the competition last night just over Phil Hertz, uh, who nice. had like a dominating season. Phil Hertz won the first contest in Tout Daily, and I'm pretty sure he led the entire way through until Damn. last night that's hard to do i mean especially yeah. in in dfs because obviously you're you're picking different players all the time and so um you know you have the one night thing so you were second in our contest you won it um, a couple weeks back and so you went the big pitching route and i, I kind of went the other way with some of the big hitting out there including a course field game but you weren't snuffed out of course you had walker Bueller, luis castillo but still got a little nolan arenado mojave baez a little aaron judge so you still had the star hitters you had some of your scrubs come through like o'hearn and alberto getting nine and eight respectively nicely done there just 10 points behind lions nfc so you know that guy needs it because he's about to have the football season for the detroit lions that's going to break his heart so he needs that cash to buy tissues and 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 things that'll make him happy so, yeah, you know, of course, uh, you're a Washington Redskins fan, so it's not going to be that great for you either. That's one thing we, we – well, honestly, we can commiserate uh, on on football for sure and let's be honest. On baseball, baseball as well, yeah. You're not, go, you're not going anywhere. I mean, at least for the listeners, they won't have to listen to us talk about a whole lot of football considering True. Jason and I are both Redskins fans and you're a Lions fan and we'll, we'll – probably talk about it for like two minutes a show at the beginning of the season and by October we'll be just right back into 100% baseball exactly you know and at at worst they'd have to deal with us throwing in some fantasy stuff because like our teams are going to be irrelevant but uh, we're going to talk some baseball today news is pretty light right now which I would say is probably a good thing because usually it's going to be injury news Anyway, so the fact that we've had you, – you were talking about how the last two days have been a little bit quiet. Good. Let's let's kind of keep yeah. it that way. Has anybody uh, talked about the Jose Ramirez handmade bone? No. I guess we can bring that up because uh, we, we haven't had an episode since then. And that's a, that's a real bummer. I mean obviously he was absolutely coming alive and playing like the uh, first-round Jose Ramirez that folks drafted and then gets cut down with this. Obviously it has um, – league-wide implications as far as what Cleveland can do, but let's focus on the fantasy part here. 
it effectively ends his season. There's almost no chance he'll be back. It's five to seven weeks. It's done there. I guess what we do is we spin forward to next year now. So you're going to end with a 532-plate appearance season with 20 homers, 24 steals, 75 ribs, 65 runs, and a 254 average. Where is Jose Ramirez now on your draft board for next year? Also understanding that I think we're seeing over the last couple of examples that maybe we overrate the power sap that the Hamate bone has. It's, it's more of the home run derby thing where it can affect, but it is not a guaranteed effect sort of deal. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where he goes and drafts next year. I, I have a feeling that the kind of the hot streak, you know, in the second half pushes him back up into the second round. And I think, mm-hmm. isn't that where we had him 18th? Okay. So, and, and that it was seems about right. Yeah, I don't think I'd move him from there based on the handmade injury for Jose Ramirez. Yeah, I don't think I will either. Just the speed in general keeps him super valuable. Mm-hmm. Quality team, mm-hmm. top of the lineup, um, a lot of a lot of positive factors, and just seeing him do it. I mean, here's the thing: he closed horribly last year and still went three overall. Yeah, closed brilliantly this year. Obviously, outside of the injury, going to miss a whole month and kind of fall off the uh the radar in 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 the immediate fantasy but once we get into the winter and start diving into things we'll be like oh yeah jose ramirez don't forget about him so yeah i think we're looking at a top 20 pick still i i think i'm i'm inclined to still jump in on jose ramirez as a top 20 guy um i don't really see first round so it might might expand closer to 24 you know top two rounds in a 12 teamer but uh, if no, he starts Zips, to fall too far, Zips had him, or uh, they haven't updated their rest season projections. So they had him getting another 121 plate appearances, hitting five home runs, and stealing five bases. That would have given him a 25 29 season at about 260 ish. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I think he's, if he's going around pick 18, he's a steal, right? Yeah, I really, I really think that uh, you know anybody that that kind of puts Jose Ramirez on the back burner, they might miss out. You know, now's now's the time to buy. He's going to go from the a top three pick in ADP to about a top twenty guy, and so you know and don't that doesn't age feel seven season next year. Automatic, automatic performance. You're guaranteed to perform. Uh, no, and they'll still be a competitive team. We're actually going to talk about one of uh, one of his teammates. Let's let's go ahead and use this as a transition here, because what we're talking about today is some 2019 surprising breakouts in 2020. What do we really do with these guys? How much can we move them up? And one of his teammates has quietly put together a brilliant season. This is not just good. This is over the like. This is league winning kind of stuff that Carlos Santana is doing. Because yeah, you expect the uh, the twenties, the the mid twenties to thirty homer range, and and some runs because he always has the OBP, but he has thirty homers already with a month left, seventy nine RBIs, ninety five runs, chip in four steals, which is always fun, uh, and a two ninety two average. Now that's been the key, obviously setting this season into motion as something well beyond anything we'd ever seen from Carlos Santana. Obviously, at age 33, coming into this year, we'd resigned that he's going to be a you know average liability to maybe an average equal. Like uh, you know, he's either going to hurt you or just kind of be status quo. 259, 259, 229 were his last three years. Pit him at something around that, 
as like a 245 projection. He's 50 points clear of that almost. He's never uh, hit 270. That I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, 268 was a previous career high for Carlos Santana, and yet here we are. And uh, and things have gone remarkably well, and he's held it all year. He's always had brilliant plate skills. Those are intact. How do you value this now as a 34-year-old, though, with a random spike of, of batting average? I don't think it's going to shoot his price up to anything unreasonable. I mean, we didn't take him in our top 45 draft that we did. But whereabouts are you starting to consider Carlos Santana? That's a really good question, and he's one of those guys I'm really interested to see where he goes in terms of uh, uh, the too early mocks. Because mm-hmm. I think he's one of those guys that are going to go all over the place. There's certain parts of his profile that seem amazing, and, and and like this could be not obviously not sustainable to this level, but somewhat sustainable. Uh, I mean, he's got an almost 92 mile an hour exit velocity, which is good for 94th percentile in major league baseball. He's barreling the ball at a 10% rate or 10 and a half percent rate. Major league baseball's average is 6.3%. That's, I mean, yeah. so we're seeing so much interesting stuff out of Santana, but we know the ageism that, uh, that fantasy baseball always has. They don't want to be left holding the bag. If somebody falls off, he was, you know what's crazy, by the way, I'm looking at main event ADP at first base. The 20, 21st, and 22nd first baseman this year were Santana, Gurriel, and Alonzo. That was a spot that you like to live, man. Those are three superstar fantasy players this year. So he's going to go well beyond his 194 ADP of last year. I think that Carlos Santana will probably go well beyond his peak, which was 156. So if he's like a pick 120 guy, let me give you an idea of what that would have comped to this year. That's about, well, there was no real first baseman that went in that range because the only first baseman listed was Yasmani Grandal, and obviously you were using him as a catcher. So the, 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 highest, the next guy up would be Joey Gallo, who was 98 ADP. Um, so you, you say maybe two rounds after that, would you be ready to take Carlos Santana at a round of a 120 pick? That would be very difficult for me to do. That being said, like I don't it's ageism. <laughs> it's Here we go. Actually, I got I got a better I got maybe he won't go that high because he is old. Max Muncie had an amazing breakout, right? Younger, triple eligibility. He went one fifty three. Maybe that that's seems better. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. something in, in that range there. And Edwin Encarnacion, who actually uh, this is a pretty decent analog with Santana and Encarnacion because of their elite plate skills. So maybe that, and he went right there at 155. So maybe that's the right range. Is that where you're comfortable taking Carlos Santana? I think so. I mean, he's obviously like everybody else in baseball. A lot of people in baseball have benefited from the balls. Sure. We're not talking about a guy who has changed his profile very much. It's, I mean, his contact percentages are pretty much all right in line with where they've always been. Well, there are two uh, corresponding things that have helped with the batting average spike, at least. And if he maintains them, I think that's what could set Santana up for another solid season next year. You mentioned the 91.9 exit velo, a career high as far as uh, how long this has been tracked. 
and a 10, uh, 11, we'll call it 11 uh, degree launch angle down from 15. So, I mean, that, that would seem when you're, especially when you're pairing it with an exit velo boost and the barreling boost, that's going to be more base hits. So bringing the ball down like that has certainly helped. And obviously with the launch angle, you don't need as much to, you know, you don't, you just don't have to do as much to get the homers. So it hasn't really impacted its home run output either. So a lot of things working together for Santana, like you said, though, none of which looks like wildly unsustainable, except that age 34 is going to keep coming up for people and be like, I don't want to take a 34 year old. Yeah. I think that's going to be, but I mean, that's going to be the thing that scares people away, but He's been remarkably healthy. Yes, he has. I mean, he's got, what, at least 660 plate appearances in every season since 2014, and he's never had below 609 in terms of plate yeah. appearances. And he's, he's 39 away from 600 this year, yeah, so uh, I mean, I'll, I'll uh, tracking toward it. I mean, that's the thing, too. He is very durable. Carl Santana can also go bounce in, into the DH role. It doesn't have to be at first base, but he has been playing first base this year. He was in the NL last year, so he couldn't play DH, and he's still holding up. So I don't know, man. I, I feel like I, I would have some confidence in him, and if he is going around that 150-ish ADP that uh, that saw Muncie, Encarnacion, and Luke Voigt from this year, that's around where they went. If that's where you put Santana... I think I'm open to buying. He's a guy I've always liked, and even if the batting average comes down to say 260, which uh, you know would be a big drop, I don't think that that hurts me at a, a 150 pick. Yeah, I mean his expected batting average is 267. So I'll take it. Yeah, I, I think that's fine, and that's really in line with what he's done in the past. I mean. His expected batting average last season was 245, but the year before it was 266. The year before that was 273. So. I mean, this is kind of what he should be is like a 260 to 270 hitter. But with the juiced balls and the, you know, the change in launch angle, we're talking about a guy who can hit 30 home runs instead of 20 home runs, which is mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, it really is. So that's Carlos Santana. Let's move on to the other end of the age spectrum. And we did talk a bit about uh, Jordan Alvarez during our draft as Vlad took him 21st. But I wanted to dive a bit deeper <laughs> if only because he's even put up more numbers since then. He seems to have an extra base hit every single day. And I'm barely kidding because he has uh, he has 40 of them in his 60 games. So it doesn't take much. Now, he usually has uh, multiples in a game, including yesterday when he hit two homers, including another off of a position player. And I don't know if you saw the highlight from it when he came back. He no. just kind of did a shrug like, I mean, if they're going to put that clown up there, I'm going to hit a homer off of him. Like, he was just kind of like, yeah, I know. It's another one off. He hit one off of Stevie Wilkinson uh, during his three-homer game against at Baltimore and then last night against Mike Brousseau. And I'm sure he was getting razzed a little bit like, oh, another one off of a hitter. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? Not, not go yard when they're laying it in there? But uh, obviously – even if you took those two homers away, which you can't, he'd still have 19 in just 60 games. He's been out of his mind. And I wonder, is he moving himself up even higher than than where Vlad took him? I mean, what, what, what do you think the ADP for Jordan Alvarez is going to be? Again, he went 21st in our mock. Where do you start considering Alvarez? Ooh. Uh, he's another guy who is an interesting case. So I'm glad you kind of put him on there. Uh, because I think 
the one thing that will scare people is that he's going to be UT only. Ooh, I did not realize that. And people hate UT only players. Yes, they For no do. apparent reason, because it's stupid. We, we go through you know, this every year with Nelson Cruz. We you know why through. they do? Uh, you know, it, I think it speaks. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go in on it. It speaks to an inability to figure out the draft from that point on. That you have to have some safety net of UT. And I'm, listen, there are certain examples where it's like, oh man, this guy fell, and I couldn't put him in the UT. Okay, okay, and you know, figure it out though. Figure it the hell out. And we let these guys. You're, you're, you were gonna mention. Uh, you mentioned Ortiz, Cruz, Chris Davis. I know he's had a rough year this year, but let's not pretend that he wasn't lock solid. And no one really saw this coming. It, it wasn't like that was why you weren't drafting Chris Davis. People don't draft them because they don't want to plug UT too early, which is kind of silly. Just figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, you're what you're doing is you're giving someone else in your league added value because you're letting him drop correct which is like you don't want to do that you want the added value so uh i think he's gonna be in some leagues i think he's gonna be a first round pick and then i think other leagues he's gonna be uh he's probably gonna go around that 20 21 spot that the lad took him what, what's uh, the low for, for Jordan Alvarez? Like, what, what do you think the low end is in, in a certain league? Do you think he, he dips to the third or I don't does think he stay firmly I, in the second? I can't imagine he falls out of the second round. Like, it just okay. – that to me just I – mean, it'll happen probably in a league or two, especially maybe some home leagues where people are really, really afraid of putting a DH uh, on their team that early. Uh, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't, it shouldn't happen. Yeah, that would be surprising. And, uh, I hope it's in, you would be right there to snap it up. That'd be incredible. But I just don't think you can let Jordan Alvarez go that far. You're just going to have to put the, uh, because here's the thing about the UT onlys that we've had and the, all the other ones that we mentioned, the majority of them were older. Uh, Chris Davis being like the youngest of, of that group, um, but he also didn't have the batting average of like a Cruz and an Ortiz. So even even that kind of counterbalanced the fact that he was a little bit younger. You're talking here about a 23-year-old next year, age 23 season for Alvarez Having on an amazing an team. Shattering. Just year. stupid. Now, with Brandon Lau out, is this his award? Is it is it Jordan Alvarez's Rookie of the Year to win? I think it's close, is it? I mean, it, this no. Is- this is ridiculous because we're, we're not only talking about a guy that's got over 20 home runs in 60 games. He's also hitting 329. Like, Correct. And walking, and walking 14% yeah. of the time. It's just, what he's doing is insane. Uh, I, I don't, and has a whole month left, by the yeah, way. It's just – this is otherworldly. He's got a WRC plus of 190. So, I mean – he is quite literally twice the man of the average person in Major League Baseball. I mean, it's just, it's it's ridiculous. And let me cut, uh, let me cut Yankees fans off at the pass. Your boy Gary Sanchez played fifty three games. This is not that he's going to wind up with about eighty five to ninety games, depending on how much Alvarez plays the rest of the year. I think they have about thirty games left, and he has sixty played. So. It's not the same thing. It's just not. He's going to have, uh, you know, over a half season, and I think that's enough 
to get the uh, to get the rookie of the year here, especially because Lyle, the guy who was the leader in the clubhouse until he got hurt, only has 76 games. So he's going he's going to pass Lyle in in performance there. Um, yeah, the only other thing I could see would be a mega surge out of Vlad Jr. down the stretch and then make it a race. That's that's it. It's really it, it's Alvarez out by hell of a surge with Alvarez falling off though too yes because if Alvarez just keeps pace it still wouldn't matter as far as I'm concerned so uh yeah what what an insane what what an insane setup Houston has and I'll reiterate yet again uh as I have uh, on a recent episode they haven't even called up Kyle Tucker <laughs> all this stuff happens and you I know mean, where keep... do you play him I, I well for Josh Reddick but I'm just saying How like dare you speak ill of Josh sorry <laughs> listen his numbers speak ill of yeah, him but um you know, they just have all this talent. They, you know, they get something like Guriel popping off then too. And then Alvarez comes up, takes the world by storm. And they still have Kyle Tucker out there 30-30 in, in AAA. So, yeah, we see Alvarez as a top 25 guy at the very least, it seems. Even if you're filling your UT only, just deal with it and move on. Uh, let's move over to Arizona. We have a couple guys here. Cattell Marte had the, uh, had the very interesting home run yesterday that caused him to leave the game. And it looked really bad. I was watching that game live, and I was like, "Oh no, oh Eno god!" He was losing it. He was. Oh he was very upset. Getting... He's like, "Oh, he oh. popped a hammy." He definitely thought it was over. He's like, "Popped a hammy. That's over. Unbelievable. Can't believe it's home run." Marte hammy popped. Turns out right hamstring cramp should be good. Uh, is they have an off day today? Uh, questionable for Thursday. So we'll see what's up with that. But doesn't look too serious for Marte. It was his 28th homer of the season. He has a 28 homer, nine steal season, 323 average. He has the most hits in the National League with 163. 77 ribbies, 87 runs. I did take him at 28 in the draft, which I'll, I'll cop to being high. And frankly, as I kind of look at the two now, I, I I really do wish I'd have taken Glaber Torres instead, who didn't even go. Uh, so I think I was on the high end there of where Marte is, just a, got a little, little exuberant there. I do like the profile, though. I like the player. I'm curious where you're at with Marte for next year. He'll be age 26. He's still very young. I've been a big Marte guy for a long time. That's largely because I thought at some point he would run. He has the speed. He simply and He's picked doesn't. up nine stolen bases this year. So, I mean, it's not nothing. Uh, you just would expect a guy with his... Like you said, like his type of speed, he's you know he's like seventy fourth percentile in sprint seed uh, on Statcast right now. So mm-hmm. uh, I would expect him to be uh, a guy who steals closer to twenty, but that's just not the case for him. Uh, he is in the top seven percent of the league in expected batting average, uh, and top three percent of the league in woba. That's that's so good. I mean, you, you got to love that. Everything that he combines, Marte doesn't strike out. He yep. can take a walk. That He's always been able to take a walk. But when he was younger, I was like, well, this is some speed, you know, contact type of guy. They're, they're, they're not going to be afraid. They're going to knock the bat out of his hands. You know, that's, that's kind of profile I thought he had with the Mariners. Then he really started to show some pop, um, in, including last year when he took the real step forward there, hitting 14 homers, 12 triples, 26 doubles. And it's like, hmm, this is a, a lot more interesting. And then with the built-in walk rate already there and the contact rate, you got to like a lot of what Marte does. Whereabouts are you starting to draft him? Again, I took him at 28. 
I don't hate that, but I think Glaber Torres does have to be off the board first. So I think I was a little overzealous there with Marte. I think he's more of a third rounder. So that that's where I'm at. I'm at 31 or later with him, but where are you? Uh, this is a hard – got to keep saying this for every single one. <laughs> that's why you, I picked them. Yeah, you've picked some good ones uh, so far. I, I think there's some other guys here on this list where it will be a little bit easier for me to say where I will and won't take them. Uh, I really like Marte. I do worry that if there's a change to the ball, uh, he could lose a lot of power very quickly. He doesn't have like an off-the-charts profile in terms of his barrel percentage or in terms of his exit velocity. He definitely mm-hmm. did raise his launch angle, uh, almost doubled – or, yeah, over-doubled it. Essentially doubled, yeah. yeah. So uh, so that's kind of interesting, but I would worry that – if he if the ball becomes less bouncy, they go back to the ball we we've seen previously. Then a lot of those home runs turn back into doubles. So I don't know that I want to necessarily take because it feels like Major League Baseball they get heat for it, they fix it in the off season, and then they're like, "Well, no, we were we were way more popular with the home run." Then they go back to it. So it feels yeah. like this is like the Alex Rios of baseballs. That where, is a funny comparison. You know, just the every other year being good yep. and every other year being awful. So uh, I I just worry that, like I said, if they try and go fix the balls and make it, you know, deaden them a little bit, then he's going to be one of those guys that really suffers. So. Uh, I'm probably well, here's the thing though the, the one on him. the one good thing is that it will bring everybody down um so it won't be as bad I still think Marte has a 20 plus steal season there but you can't you can't draft for it because I mean you're gonna you're gonna lose if you draft for stuff like that I mean uh people that still draft like Machado expecting speed because he had that he had that 20 spike but again this is tangible speed it's there I, I think we'll get it at some point but you do have to draft on like a like a 2010 projection 20 20 homers 10 steals solid 280 something average the batting average for the most part i mean yeah. i think it'll come down obviously a little bit i don't think he's going to i don't think he's going to be battling for the batting title or anything like that next year but but i'll take a 280 he, i think i think 290 is well within the cards like i said mm-hmm. it, you know expected uh batting average of 293 this year uh he makes a lot of contact and he's actually become more aggressive uh, without giving up his batting eye, which is something that if we, if, if we're looking early on in spring training next year, like we have a bouncy ball again, these are the kind of profiles I'm going to look at. I'm going to look at guys who make a lot of contact because if yeah, the balls I- are just going to fly out. That means the, the, the guys like Marte that make a lot of good contact uh, are just going to benefit you know, an extreme amount. Mm-hmm. So you're saying uh, fifth round you want Marte? Cattell yeah, Marte? Fourth, fifth round. Right yeah, now. I, I think I can get him in the third. Um, I, I could I could see myself doing that, but fourth is probably where you, you want to live and, and feel like you're not, uh, you're not overpaying for the breakout fully. There were just um, guys that we didn't draft mm-hmm. that – I would be very interested in, you know, in taking maybe over him. You know, we didn't draft I Josh un- Bell. We didn't draft Anthony Rizzo. Uh, so. I unquestionably overdrafted him. I, I will cop to that 100%, 28, too high for Cattell Marte. Let's talk be, about It's it. going to be really hard for you to return value in that mock. It, it, well, yeah. I mean, he has to basically stay. 
the exact same. Uh, let's talk about his teammate, Eduardo Escobar, who you may or may not know has 103 RBIs, Justin. He's a homer shy of 30, 100. Um, so he's 29 homers, 103 ribbies, five steals, 265 average, uh, MLB best, 10 triples, which are nice. They're not fantasy category, but they're nice. 80 runs. He's been incredible. And, you know, he's been pretty good the last two years, too. That's not completely out of nowhere. Obviously, this is another beneficiary of what we're seeing with the ball for Eduardo Escobar. But it's not fully out of nowhere like who the hell is this guy 21 23 homers the last two years 29 this year with a full month left that feels like a a ball advantaged profile 31 next year likely still with the diamondbacks they signed him to a deal i don't see why they would trade him where do you what are you doing next year with eduardo escobar on the heels of what's probably going to be like a 35 125 season where does that put him on the joe girardi scale which scale is that? Do, do you, you didn't see this? No. I, I, I'm very eager to hear this um, now. He, Joe Girardi was talking about he, he, he does an equation or he has, does an equation of uh, of how he would vote for ML MVP. And his equation is runs plus RBIs minus home runs. The fuck is that, dude? <laughs> What is that? I I, I, I don't understand it. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna just send you the the screenshot of this. Um, so it's <laughs> ridiculous. Well, he has 154. If you're wondering for Eduardo on the on the which Girardi would, scale, yeah, which would put him above Christian Yelich. So he's better than Christian Yelich, mm-hmm. right behind Acuna and Ballinger. Cool. <laughs> I don't understand this. Uh, Why would you my Why would you subtract homers? What the (laughs) hell? This is a guy that is you know still pining for a major league baseball job, and he's trying to show that he understands uh, sabermetric. There you go, Cubs. This is your future. (laughs) This is your future when uh, when he's got his. His runs plus RBIs minus homers sheet posted in the in the dugout there, and he's he's batting by his eighth because his runs plus RBIs minus homers isn't high enough. Get out of here, dude! That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. What was Greg Zahn? Doesn't he have a dumbass stat too? I can't remember. Oh yeah, I think he's got some some remarkably stupid equations. I think that would be like adding ERA and WHIP and minusing or and then subtracting strikeouts. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Let's do that. There you go, uh, Hendricks. There, there you go with a nice little. Uh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Run production stat leads to the creation of ZARP. Let's see what uh, ZARP is for. Oh, Greg I Zarp. think I remember that. <laughs> Oh, oh no, dude, dude! Joe Girardi's just biting Zarp, guy. Is that what Run it is? Scored plus RBIs minus homers divided by games played, baby. Oh, so you got to divide it so by he's games played. He's got that played. rate stat. Mm, that's that's amazing. Get out of here! <laughs> I'm so mad about this. <laughs> it doesn't make you know the 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 most annoying thing. Is that like, so this Zarp, they, they ran like a top 20 leaderboard when it came out. And uh, 
17 of the top 20 were like 19th century players. So it just like, because obviously the home runs, you know, yeah. Someone named Sam Thompson is the number one guy. Dan Brothers, who I only know through uh, Out of the Park Baseball, is number two. Like Ed Delaney, uh, Hugh Duffy, Cap Anson, Harry Stovey, Jake Stenzel. These are real names, I swear. These are these are the ZARP leaders. So um, these are terrible formulas. I hate them a lot. Let's get back to the, Escobar. The, where these you seem like uh, – do you listen – I think you listen to the podcast, right? Yes. Uh, these these sound like podcast equations for picking like – podcast player of the year and they, stuff like that which is all jokes and and you know making fun of things and yeah uh, but these guys are serious it's just ridiculous. no that's absolutely serious which is horrifying and uh i just i don't understand i i don't understand well you know what uh eduardo escobar is is high in in zarp and in girardi and, and girardiania or whatever the hell he wants to call the stat but uh, where is he on your board? Because this year he went around pick 196 on average. That's going up. Now, I want to see his eligibility because he did have big-time eligibility coming into this year. I don't know if he's going to maintain all of it. And in fact, he is going to lose the shortstop aspect. But he will still have third and second. So you love dual eligibility. Eduardo Escobar is a 31-year-old. Dual eligibility. Crazy season. Where is he going? Mm. Eighth ninth round i think okay and that's gonna be probably too high for me personally so that would put him around for this year's comps brian at this is at second base brian dozier jerks and profar and yon mancata that actually isn't too high for me yeah, if that if that's the kind of if that's the kind of talent pool he's going around, I can envision feeling similarly about him as I did about those three. Now that's you know so two much guys who profile that's gross. Give it, it to us. Forty one and a half percent O swing percentage. Uh, <laughs> his exit velocity is in the thirty third percentile. His hard hit percentage is in the sixteenth percentile. Uh, I. I I mean, he is uh, launch angling everything out, which is working right now. But who knows, like I said, what happens next year. See, but I feel like if I get 2018 when he hit 272, 2384, 75, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I just don't And that's a big peel back from what he did this year, you know, for Eduardo Escobar. Now, again, we'll have to see who's also going around that range and that, and that will definitely change how I feel about it. But just using this year's analog, if it's, if it's that kind of profile of a Dozier profile and Moncada. So you had the, the growing profile of Moncada and profile, really the Dozier is really the best comp um, outside of the fact that Eduardo Escobar never really has run much. And, and uh, Dozier has in the past, but hasn't this year. He's actually been three for seven on the basis, so I think his his speed is effectively gone. So I don't know. You know, I I wasn't uh, super keen on Dozier this year, but in that range, if that's where Escobar is, I'm just not, I'm not against it. I don't think it's too high if if he does in fact go where you're talking for uh, Eduardo Escobar. If he turns back into like a 23, 25 home run hitter, like he's just not special. True, he's not special, but he would have dual eligibility. He'd be like one of those glue guys that you're just like, give me 600 plate appearances then. Just volume me, 
to but a. That's not who you want in the eighth or ninth round. You don't want one of those well, players. Well, no shit. But that's sometimes what you get. I mean that you have that. The thing is, when you're drafting in that you range, you don't draft for that. Yeah, you do. You draft for certainty. You absolutely do. Especially in the eighth and ninth round, you're still drafting for for a a reasonable expectation of a floor. No. I mean that that's what Dozier delivered, or, or or you know the promise of Dozier in that pick, and Cano before him, and you know Profar Moncada were more but there of there was higher of promise guys. too. Like it was like you knew like not only were you like like promised that floor, like there was some you know you were getting double digit stolen bases. You were getting you know from Dozier, you were getting a three hundred average. Yeah, but that's canceled by the batting average. Um, between Dozier and Escobar, the, those extra 10 stolen bases completely canceled out by the batting average difference So, as far as using Escobar and the Dozier comparison. I don't know. I, I just feel like if I got the floor and I'd be – it's really not the end of the world. And I do still think that you're concerned with, with floor in that range. You're not – you are mixing in the upside guys. That's why Amoncada was in that range and, and Muncie and Garrett Hampson. But, uh, you know, Ouch. you do need to balance it. I mean, look at Garrett Hampson at 165. He's been a complete bust. You can't yeah, do tell that. Tell me about it. All the shares of Garrett Hampson. Um, Same. I just, for me, it's just not not a direction I'm going to go. I think he's just. He, for, I don't. It, I don't so think it's this a is bad an interesting pick. conundrum because yeah. you're remarkably risk averse on things, mm-hmm. and then you get a floor guy like this, and you don't want. Him. So who do you pick? I want like the Yon Moncada. Give me someone who shows. Uh, is exciting in a number of ways potentially. Okay, I I, I don't have a problem with that because you know Moncada does have substantial upside and and has performed nicely this year and, and, and can help you out in just a number of different areas. I mean, Escobar, if he returns to form, he's helping you out likely in one category. I mean, because we're not we're definitely not going to say that the 103 RBIs at this point in the season is repeatable and it's a team dependent stat. We, we you know, and, and circumstance dependent stat. So we're not going to, we're not going to project him even if he hits 30 home runs again next year to necessarily get a hundred RBI. Right. So he's, if I'm getting 30 at, homers again, at then why wouldn't two, I get he's okay. So, rips. but at best he's a two category player. And I mean, there's going to be, but he's be... not a zero anywhere except steals. So he's really a four category guy, but there's going to be 60 guys with 30 home runs this year. Okay. I mean, that's 30 fine. Home runs. Isn't that special, but that's why I'm getting him in the eighth round or ninth round. I just don't see how that pick, how if he goes in that pick range that you've tagged him for, I don't see how that's a problem at all. That seems to fit. I don't necessarily, like I said, I don't necessarily think it's a problem. I just, it's not going to be the direction I go. Okay. Well, we'll see how Eduardo Escobar fares. Let's shift over to Brian Reynolds. Uh, He's been an out of nowhere kind of guy. Again, Escobar had some, had some performance. You had a reasonable expectation of, of some level of competence from him. Brian Reynolds is a rookie, so we had no idea what to expect. He was not a particularly heralded one. Either um, as a, as a prospect, you know, despite being a second round guy from the uh, the factory that has become Vanderbilt, but I don't think anybody knew and the Giants farm gonna, system and the Giants farm system. He's part of that uh, that Andrew McCutcheon deal. 
he's leading the NL in, in average still with a 332, 14 homers, 56 ribs, 70 runs, and two steals. And that's in 436 plate appearances. So 109 games there. And um, I mean, it's been it's been awesome. I'm really unsure of how to approach a Brian Reynolds for next year. This feels – haven't you comped him to peak Melky? Yeah, that's what it feels yeah. like, right? Yeah. It, I mean, it really it really does. And so where are you taking a 25-year-old peak Melky next year in, in the form of Brian Reynolds? He's one of those guys, too, I think uh, we were just talking about. Uh, who, who are ta- uh, with, with Marte, like if the ball's bouncy again, yes, he's a guy that I'm going to be very interested in because he's got that uh, high contact profile, especially zone contact. Uh, and I think he can, I think he can benefit from uh, a bouncier ball. Uh, I mean, his expected batting average is 296. So that's that's incredible. It's he's not been fluky necessarily in terms of this high batting average. I don't know that you can necessarily project him to hit 300 going into next year, but well, not with, not with a 410 Babbitt, which again, here's something interesting that you just said. He's had not been fluky, but people would look at the 410 and call it fluky. He's earned it, but it doesn't mean it's sustainable going forward. There's, there's, there's two different things there. And that's why I hate when Babbitt gets used as a luckometer. Yeah. And so he's, oh, he's been lucky. He he really hasn't been that lucky. No, he hasn't. He is, I mean, he's, he's been great. Yeah, but he won't. But he won't put up a four ten next year. He's just playing. Brian Reynolds is just playing some of the best ball of probably his life, to be honest. Because even when he was dominant in high school and college, it wasn't the big leagues hitting three twenty two, three thirty two. Yeah. No, I mean he's doing like everything you want him to do. Uh, I mean he's. I think top 20 in the league in line drive percentage. Got to love that. He's not a guy who like pulls a ton. Uh you know, 36% pull percentage, 36% center percentage, 27% oppo. And so he's does hitting he... the ball 40 uh, with a 45% hard contact percentage. Does he go somewhere around where a Michael Brantley went this year, which was pick 116 on average. I think he's going to go way lower than that. I think he's going to be like on everybody's bus list. Uh, a guy that is that Babbitt. Yeah. We're going to hear about that Babbitt all, yeah. all fall. People are people. And then, and people are also going to say, well, he only hit, you know, 17 home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, in spite of the fact that he's got like an almost 200 ISO. Well, I mean, that we, the numbers are starting to come out. You know, we're starting to get closer to be able to a- analyze some of this. It's looking like you need about 20 per spot uh, on your roster, which is insane. But if he's at 17, I'm getting the surplus three elsewhere, and I'll take the batting well, average. And that's, I mean, he's only at 109 games. Exactly. Exactly. He's pacing out to way more than 20. Yeah, if you're giving him, yeah, if you're giving him a full season, um, you know, he should be fine to hit 22, 23. Again, with, with the circumstances maintaining, Brian Reynolds can be a 20 homer guy. 290, 20 with, with a pile of runs and, and some decent ribbies. Um, that's not bad. Um, is he more. Okay, so that was pick like 115. Is he more. And there, I can't really find a great comp here because there's no batting average guys here the only batting average guy that that's down in this range i'm looking at is david peralta around 152 now he was coming off of a 30 homer season and i think he's gonna go lower than that you think 
okay, now that that's going to be really interesting. Then you're probably right. Um, I think he's going to go in like the Brandon Nemo area. Okay, and that was one seventy four or one eighty five ADP. Yeah. So okay, and I think there he becomes a really nice bargain, uh, and I will probably have a lot of shares, especially yeah, that... with a guy like me who tends to punt batting average. So if you're going to punt batting average early, you need those stabilizer guys later. And it's always hard. It's hard to get too. When batting average gets gets dried up. That's why I've always liked Peralta. Now he's got a shoulder injury. It's keeping him out for the rest of the year. I'm actually kind of off the Peralta train going forward because I just we've probably seen the best of him. But as far as Brian Reynolds goes, if he is a late batting average source, I agree with you. I will be interested. And if that is his range, somewhere in say the 175 to 200 pick range for Brian Reynolds, sign me up. I'll be ready. So we'll take a look at him for sure. Let's shift over to the pitching side here. Talk about some guys we've definitely discussed at points this year, but let's get some let's get some 2020 focus. This is another guy who did go in our draft to Vlad, and I was a little bit surprised by it, particularly because he went ahead of the guy you took right after. This is Lucas Giolito went pick 40. You got Chris Sale at pick 41. So that right there was was a stunner. But let's talk about Giolito himself, less about that context uh, between the two. He's been amazing, right? A former top pick, uh, 16th overall, could have been a potential 1-1 as well, but uh, health was a problem. So he fell and became a big-time draft value, uh, You know, was traded in the big Adam Eaton deal, and it's like, oh, they gave up Giolito for that? And and you know, a couple other guys, Reynaldo Lopez and Dane Dunning. And then it was he was terrible. I mean, he was just simply terrible, and it's like, huh. They stole. I mean, they, they, they stole Adam Eaton. And if they can get some health out of Adam Eaton, they're going to win this deal because these two pitchers that are in the majors are trash, Giolito and Lopez, and Bunnings hurt. Well, now the script has been completely flipped because Giolito's had an ace season. He's a completely different guy this year, um, dominating seemingly every time out. Another good start last night. Took the loss in a 3-1 a battle. Uh, he gave up two of the runs, nine strikeouts against the Twins. Back-to-back outings against the Twins, he goes 15 innings, allows two runs with 21 strikeouts. I mean, that's a microcosm right there of how great Giolito's been, but he's been strong all year. Is he a top 40 guy for you next year as Vlad made him in our draft? I think he's got to be close. I, it's hard. Let's assume me. Sale's gone because I know that you wouldn't take him over Sale. I, I, I think I you think expressed that. I think there's an argument to make for that uh for taking giolito over sale i think that argument will only be in the early fall and in winter before spring training starts once people see chris sale again on the mound Mm -hmm. no chance and no chance and part of my argument was if we get chris sale back for the playoffs or like last week of september like we get to see him healthy in the year then i think he's a steal at that spot where i got him yeah so and i'm willing to take that risk but Giolito has a lot of injury history, too. And I don't think we can necessarily uh, forget about that. So I think you're right. It's it, it's it's hard with pitchers because pitchers can go at any moment, right? Any guy can uh, get hurt at any moment. So it's but at the same time, previous injury is the is like really the marker we look for to kind of help predict future injury. And he's a guy who's been injured quite a bit over the course of his minor league and, and major league career. So that being said, 
I think there is an argument for it. I think it depends on what you want to do with pitching next year. Yes. I think there are a lot of people that really benefited from a weight on pitching approach because they didn't get burnt. This was a last pick in, in the draft type mm-hmm. of guy here. Giolito was. This is the and, Blake Snell of this year. I mean, yeah, but even to a higher degree. Yeah, even better. Um, I mean, I wasn't even ranking this guy. Uh, and I was like, why Why would I put him on? I don't want people to accidentally put him on their team because he was what he was last year. Now, one thing I will say on the injury piece, you're not wrong to bring it up, but this will be the second straight healthy season. He had 32 starts last year. He's tracking very well this year. Hopefully then just and I mean, jinxed Giolito. He threw, what, 170 innings between the majors and the minors. So, I mean, it's really three healthy seasons in a row. Which, yeah, so that's nice to see that it doesn't preclude him from getting, you know, nothing nothing protects you forever. But you, you will feel good, I think, if you're looking at health profiles and saying, okay, Giolito's going to be 25 next year, coming off of an ace breakout, and health three years in a row. Where does he go for you now, though? Mm, yeah, I think third, fourth, fifth rounds are going to be the areas where you're going to see Giolito go. I think there's going to he- be a blob, though. Is he going to be okay? That's a, I think I think that's going to make and the answer a yes. Then is he going to be somebody with a wide split between yes. his high and his low? Okay, I and, thought and I, I thought th- that. And I think that. there's a number of these guys. Yep, because of gonna, the glob. Yeah, it's it's just going to be. I think the glob is starts higher this year. I fully agree with that, and I, I had him 24th on my on my early ranking. I could feasibly get him as high as 17th, which is where Trevor Bauer was. And he's and I put inconsistency remains remarkably frustrating. That was my comment on Bauer. And he's been nothing but inconsistent since I <laughs> and posted remarkably that. remarkably frustrating. Yeah, like, even, like to an even higher degree. And I think that's where the glob starts this year at 17, which is insane, dude. We have 15, 16 guys that we feel like we can rely. And 16 is Charlie Morton, who's 400 years old. I love him, but he's he's old with injury history, too. So it's like... Maybe it's at 15 that it really starts. It's like okay, I don't even everybody know if it's gets... going to be that low. I think, I think you start throwing in the guys like Charlie Morton, who's super old and and injury in injury history and into that glob. I think you're yeah. going to have a. I think you're going to have like seven or eight guys, and then take your pick. Who who do you want? You know, and and yeah, do you the... want to elevate Bieber or mm-hmm. do you want to go back to the Snell? Are you still a, a uh, Syndergaard believer like my dumbass? Or are you saying, hey, Corbin, two excellent years in a row. Let me get him. And you if Severino do... comes back healthy and looks good, is he going to jump back into that? He'll skyrocket. He yeah, will. I mean, he will. I, I parked him in the honorable mentions. But once people see him again, Severino, you're right. He's back into the top 20 consideration. So, I, bet. I think in, with all of kind of that glob, do we then push down that tier of pitching in terms of where we'll take them in the overall? Yeah, because let's just keep plugging these badass hitters. Mm -hmm. And And I'll take the last two or three of that tier. Exactly. And if it happens to be Giolito in this draft, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. If if it happens to be our next guy, Sonny Gray. Or I get Jack uh, Flaherty or, or Jack Flaherty. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. Um, I do like Giolito. 24, like I said, where I had him, but I, he really is in a range there that can go as high as, say, the uh, 15th, 16th, 17th guy off the board. And we're going to see him higher. I think, you know, Vlad made him what? Our, uh, what, what pitcher was that here? Let me see if I can do one, more. two. Three, four, five, 
six, seven, eight, nine, ten, oh, wow. eleven. Twelfth. It was a, our twelfth pitcher, and you made sale our thirteenth and final pitcher. We See, only took thirteen pitchers. Now that I think about this more and more, uh, I don't think I would have taken that many pitchers. If we if we redid we, this today, did you see our third round? It started with six straight pitchers, so we each took two. Because I think we're still working off the idea that we need to get a pitcher in our first three picks. Yes, and, and I all, think all next three of those... year is lining up for a year to be where you don't, where you can where you may not take a pitcher in the first five rounds. I mean, I went with one of my teams: Turner, Trey Turner, Jose Altuve, Bryce Harper. And then, and then he would have that that team would have the fourth pick in the fourth round to get. And which, Patrick Corbin. What, what I mean, number? What pick number was Altuve? Altuve was the nineteenth pick. So you could have gone Turner, Jordan Alvarez. Correct. Yeah, that's a amazing start. And then taking a middle infielder yep. with the Harper pick instead. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, come back around and take Corbin. Or um, Luis Castillo. Did we take Luis Castillo? I don't think we did. No, we didn't. No. no. I could have taken Luis Castillo. And I love Giolito, but you can't tell me that those two aren't right there. Jack Flaherty. Uh, go back on the Bauer train. Yeah. You know, I think something, something we're, like the that. The next two guys we're going to talk about are in that blob. And... No, you, you make a great point then about you can go top three hitting, then start getting your pitching. You might end up with Sonny Gray as your number one guy. And listen. This, sometimes it pans out brilliantly, right? The, the the story writes itself in the fall of of getting traded, getting out of a bad situation for him. Whether he inflated it or not, you know, with w- what happened with him and the Yankees, it doesn't matter almost at some point, right? We talk about the fact of perception is reality. His reality was they were asking him to do stuff that he couldn't execute properly. And particularly when it got – when he was at home, he was pitching scared and he was pitching very poorly and it just wasn't working for Gray. So get him out of there. Get him back with the Vandy guy, Derek Johnson. And voila. Not only is he back to Oakland, he's the best he's ever been. An NL best 6.5 hits per nine. Uh, 170 strikeouts and 144 and two-thirds innings. 292 aver- uh, average. ERA, excuse me. And a 1-1-2 whip. 10 wins, 6 losses. Sonny Gray's been a beast. He's only going to be 30 next year, not ancient. You said he's going to be in the blob. Where, whereabouts are you? Are you thinking you'd take him? Uh, I mean, full disclosure, and, and those who've listened to me for a long time know I've hated Sonny Gray for a long time. So, <laughs> like, I'm eating some crow on this one this year, uh, and I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm probably going to be lower on him than uh, than the the rest of the industry. I think his two fifty ADP will go up though. Just a little bit. So I'll be willing to take him around two thirty. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're you're moving him up uh, yeah, a full round. Twenty spots. I mean, that's that's a lot. Uh, I think he's gonna go in this blob, and I think some or glob or blob. I can't remember what it is. Job. Um, I call so, it the job. Yeah, I have to go, I have to go look at my shirt and see what it says. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I worry about the health, uh, his health, and I know he's been fairly healthy. Uh, as of late, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I, his size and the way he Stature, throws, yep. uh, I just it, it just reminds me so much of like the Linscombe breakdown. I mean, uh, the, the 
the the counter the the best way to counter that to come up with an example that goes the other way would be like a Tim Hudson, but you're not wrong and and there has been a th- you can kind of look it up under six foot righties they don't have a ton of staying power. Gray himself has dealt with some injuries, but he's bounced back. He bounces back all the time. You know, every time he has the the crap season. He bounces back with a solid one. Like his first season that was split between Oakland and then uh, he was traded after the 569 ERA in 2016, which was not nice. He bounced back with a 355 in 162 innings, puts up a 490 last year, bounces back with this gem. So let's focus then. If you got him in the glob, I won't pin you down on an exact number. He's going to go in this uh, four to six round range uh, probably. But uh, what kind of expectations statistically are you looking at then? I mean, obviously, I don't think he's going to repeat what he's done this year in terms of like a sub three or a, but I think he can definitely keep a lot of the strikeout gains that he's made, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think for him is important uh, because, I mean, that's what's really turned him in front into in kind of an ace type starting pitcher. And I think he's probably like a three five ERA guy. I'll take that with a good whip. Yeah. I mean, the homers probably go up a little bit, but if he can keep if he can keep some of this strikeout, he doesn't even have to keep all of it. Uh, I think he can be a top 30 pitcher next year, which I mean, obviously wherever you drafted him this year or, or like you picked him up off the waiver wire. Uh, <laughs> Seriously. Shower leagues. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it just, well, cause didn't he start off? Poorly? I was just about to point out that uh, he, he might've been cut after his first yeah. start. There's people that are that impatient. It was a cold, bitter outing. He only went two and two thirds, only gave him three runs, two of them earned, but four walks. I could absolutely see somebody in their 10 team or, you know, tell us, Hey, my championship was spurred by the fact that I picked him up on April 3rd. Cause some dumbass gave well, him one outing. Well, especially because he was going up against Pittsburgh twice in a row. And you know how people are like, well, I don't want them to get to see him a second time. Yeah. And instead even he devastated no, that. Yeah. Even though there's no real strong data to support that teams do that much better against the pitcher after no. you know, seeing him twice in a row. It is, it's, uh, just... it's a complete coin flip, really. If you dominate the first start, you can get shellacked, vice versa, dominate both, shellack both. There is no clear-cut data on that two-in-a-row start thing uh, hurting or helping the pitcher, no matter how well or poorly he did. So, yeah, he bounced back brilliantly. Do you know that he has not given up more than four earned in a single start this year for Sonny Gray? Yeah, that's pretty amazing, especially considering – pitching in great America ballpark that exactly I mean, one of my big concerns with him coming into the year was yes, he's moving out of Yankee stadium, but he's going to Cincinnati mm-hmm. uh, and a fair concern. Yeah. I just, I worried about the amount of fly balls he can, he can tend to give up uh, in, in Cincinnati and that, that being a problem for him. So uh, that being said, like he's been great and like, I, I don't, other than being just creeped out by his size, his lack of size. <laughs> that was a weird way to put that. That was, a, <laughs> I mean, short uh, people creep you out? Yeah. Well, he's, I'm gonna, like, everybody exa- who is. He's like exactly my height. <laughs> please go surround Justin at mm-hmm. First Pitch Arizona. Yes. All you six feet and under. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just 
creep around him, mm-hmm. be very yeah. sketchy around him, and make him super uneasy. And just yeah, throw some... with a unconventional motion. Yes. That's... Also have a lot of uh, a lot of action in your uh, in your delivery there. I got Sunny Gray at twenty eighth. I'm really hoping to get him as like an SP two. Um, if you do that kind of like. I could see the scenario where you go like five hitters to open and then he's your ace. That wouldn't be the end of the world because you would be having a particular plan in place. If you but could ideally, like pair him and Castillo. That would be hot. I, I, I'm I'm not against like that. That trio that they've got at the top, and, and don't even sleep on Descofani as a very capable four, but they've got three guys in the in the top, you know, thirty there with Castillo, Bauer, and Gray. And again, I know Bauer's been frustrating, but that's really nice, and I'm eager or to see. him and a, a Brios. Yeah, si- sign me up for that. I like kind of that two guys in the middle of the the opening glob there. Uh, maybe this next guy too. Maybe Sonny Gray and Domingo Herman. Now his fantasy value is gonna he's really gonna rate well on like auction calculators and player raters because he's 42 and two or some crap like that. His record is absolutely off the chart. 17 and three. That's ridiculous. And three, uh, I don't need to tell you, A, Kyle's here, but B, that the 17 wins are an MLB best. 403 ERA, but a 114 whip. And what I like to say is, you know, when I see an ERA whip combo that doesn't align, I want to see which one is more faulty. In this instance, because of the profile that he's had with Herman giving up way too many homers, it might actually just be where he's going to have a better whip than ERA. But I do like the fact that he has a 114 whip with a with an over four ERA. It tells me that he's a couple tweaks away from bringing it down to like a low to mid ERA with a great whip, with a great strikeout rate, but a 2.0 homer per nine. What gives with that with Domingo Herman? And can he fix that going into his age, I believe, 25, uh, 27 season next year? I believe he can because while he's 27, he, he just doesn't have a lot of major league seasoning. Because he's no. been kind of stuck in the minor leagues with the Yankees. Interesting. <laughs> I just uh, I got the Rasball Player Raider open. Uh, and I, I mean, I really like their their Player Raider. You know, shout out, sure. shout out to our our, our friends over at Rasball. Uh, he's got eleven quality starts and seventeen wins. That's insane, dude. <laughs> that is insane. I don't know that. I've ever seen something like that. Uh, I'd love to it's see. Like, it's I'm the sure. Anti Cliff Lee. <laughs> or Jacob DeGrom. Or Jacob DeGrom, yeah. Jacob DeGrom looks across town there and says, Are you kidding me, dude? Nothing against Domingo, but are you effing kidding yeah, me, dude? DeGrom has 19 quality starts and eight wins. Yeah, he's pissed. <laughs> he's absolutely pissed at this. <laughs> 17 wins. So just keep that in mind when you're looking at player raiders, you know, because he's 15th on the player raider. He's going to have a high dollar value in the auction calculator. It is very much boosted by that win total. Now, he's still going to be on a team that will fuel wins, though, right? Great offense, great bullpen. And as long as you can go 5 6 regularly, you can put yourself in good position. But. Even with that, this is extraordinary for Domingo Herman. So he, you got him in the glob, probably toward the lower end of it. Let's focus again on st- the statistics then instead of the exact uh, the, the exact spot that he's going to be drafted. What can Domingo Herman improve to cut the home run rate and bring the ERA down closer to the whip and then maybe earn some of these more wins, uh, some of these wins a little bit more uh, 
I'll say legitimately, but that's not really the word I mean. Just just so that it doesn't look like he has 11 quality starts and 17 wins again. <laughs> um, I, I think he needs to... I don't know that he can improve. I have the answer if you want it. What 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 is your solution here? I mean, it's the easy one. It's fastball command because it's yeah. the fastball that that he loses it with and gives up the homers, and it it, it can get a bit straight at times. I was say start pitching backwards a little bit more. I, I'd be fine with that. Maybe in lieu of of because it is easy to say fastball command. It's it's a lot harder to execute fastball command. So if he continues to chisel down the fastball rate, which he's done from fifty one to forty seven to forty five this year, keep chiseling that down and lean more on the curve and change. Maybe that's a way a less is more sort of deal with the fastball because he is showing the the proverbial control over command. He has a 6% walk rate, which is great for Domingo Herman, but a 2.0 homer per nine tells me, Hey, maybe you can walk a guy or two and, and, you know, not lay a fastball down the middle on a three, one count that goes over the fence anyway, you know, and it's not always that I understand that, but just looking at it, it's like, okay, you figured out the control piece, but now you need to throw better strikes. You really do. Yeah. I, I almost wonder if he should add a cutter or something. I, I like that too, a cutter or a slider, something like that. He might be ripe to add a different pitch to mix it up even further there for uh, for Domingo Armand. It's a stock I like though, and I don't think I think I the lo- fantasy. Yeah, I, I I love just the raw tools. Yes, and I think the fantasy community is sophisticated enough to not overrate this win loss record, even with the Yankee tax. I don't think his price is going to be exorbitant to where I can still invest in Domingo Herman while uh, not overpaying for this year and still kind of buying some of that potential upside to where maybe he's a top 20 guy again next year, but with but isn't it isn't fully based on wins as it is this year. Yeah, I think the, the beauty of uh, the wins, I think people will see that and, and, and really kind of push him down. Yes, I think uh, you're right. And especially in the leagues that this is going to sound arrogant and douchey as hell, I don't care especially in the leagues we play, like because people are looking at and, – and the leagues our listeners play in too, by the way. I, I will point out a lot of our uh, listeners, you know, sometimes will give a little more generic advice like, well, my league doesn't adhere to that. It's like, I understand. we got to try to cover a wide swath there. And uh, even if your league does overrate the wins, I'm not saying that that's good or bad or whatever it is. But I know in the NFBC landscape that Domingo Herman's not going to be treated as a top 15 starter very regularly – because people are going to say a 17 and which is probably going to be like a 20 and five win loss record by season's end or something to that degree. And people are going to say, okay, How I'm not going to young votes. That. Is he going to get, if he gets one dude, I swear to God, someone's if he wins 20 games, someone is going to vote for him. I know dude, that's, that's going to piss me. Because I mean, off. how many guys in rank AL three. are going to win 20 games? Who cares? I would do Verlander, He's, Cole, Bieber. Well, and I, then, I understand what you and I would do, but like I know you're and, right. Him and you're Lance freaking... Lynn are like gonna lead the, you know, are gonna be the, the the, <laughs> the, a, the AL wins leaders. You're, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's going to be like, he's going to sneak in and steal some, steal some like mid tier votes that could maybe even shift it. Right. Like if he goes, he's if someone says like, Verlander. 
That's what I'm saying. It's like someone's going to say, I'm not going to put him as my winner, but I'm going to put him second to acknowledge the great win-loss record. And, and then uh, it's Cole, Herman, Verlander. And th- those points are going to be the difference to steal another Cy Young mm-hmm. away from. Porcello's going to win. If Cole if Cole wins this one, it's not stolen the way the uh, the Porcello one was. But um, do you, do let's move that, over. Do you think Verlander and Cole still votes away from each other and Bieber will win it? That's interesting. No, because I think a lot of they're going to be one two on a lot. So it, it might just be the guy who has the most first place votes between those two. Because barring anything too crazy in September, I think they're going to be the clear top two. And then how it shuffles out behind them uh, will will kind of determine the the back end. But I, I don't know that it's going to be too much beyond those two. They're on a great team too, which we know that Cy Young and MVP should not be based on your your team context, but it helps. It certainly helps to get to garner you the proper attention, and they've been so great. I do think Verlander with 21 more innings is the pick this year, and better numbers, by the way. Can you win the Cy Young while leading the AL in home runs? runs? (laughs) We're about to find out, baby. You see Kikuchi and Matt Boyd are really trying to give him a run for his money. They're doing the best they can. Dude, Matt Boyd gives up three homers a game now, minimum. It's, I mean, unreal. It's just like, uh, minimum, I got three dongs for y'all. Who wants them? Phrasing. Let's move on to Ryan Yarbrough, the actual Cy Young. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, I mentioned, I think I mentioned this to you on a pod recently, that he was the leader in OPS against, if you accounted for his his workload, which was uh, 109 inning. I don't know if he still leads, but he's been incredible this year. A 329 ERA, a .87 whip. Obviously, he's in that middle role sometimes, but he's been starting more recently. In fact, his last three outings have been starts at Seattle against Detroit and at Baltimore, which actually ended up being just a 65-pitch outing. I don't know why he only went four and a third there. Did he come out with an injury? Was he nicked or something? I, I don't know. I, he doesn't have an injury tag on no, on the page either. I so I, I, at any rate, he's been really good. He's 28. He's kind of a nondescript you know, swingman type. But Ryan Yarbrough now has 257 innings of a 365 ERA and a 111 whip. What are we doing with Ryan Yarbrough next year? Man, I don't know what to do with guys like <laughs> I mean, it's better than like a Trevor Williams. At least there's some some support behind it with a, a you know, it's not a high strikeout rate, but it's it's a really low walk rate. So it's still a, a solid strikeout minus walk rate for someone like Ron Yarbrough. But I don't know what to do either. So I, I want you to decide for us. <laughs> uh, he's never going to end up on any of my teams. He probably should. He's the 25th pitcher, not starting pitcher, pitcher so that includes relievers on the rasball player raider it 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 just he's been insanely good this year uh that being said i just don't i just can't in i i know he won't end up on a team of mine i just know it won't happen so well what if what if he's going could he go uh well, I'm just trying to look at the at the board here from this year and again no, trying to find I like mean, an analog. Technically, 175 or later, it's got to be right. He's not gonna go that late. If he's going that late, he'll be on all of my teams. Yeah, Where was Josh right. Hader going this year? Okay, uh, well, super high, uh, 98. I think that's where he'll go. 
Because he's, you know, I mean, he's the the starter version of Josh Hader. Like, he's not – Hader wasn't getting saves coming into the year. At least we didn't think he was. But, like, you knew he was going to be good enough to just – to give you value just in an unconventional way. And I think that's Yarborough. So, I think Yarborough is probably going to go around pick 100. Or at least, like, an AL Kyle Hendricks who went 125. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Well – I don't know about that then. <laughs> See, that's I what I mean. Like, I think that's where in. he's going to go. I'm not going to draft him there. Yeah, I was thinking more that the... So, uh... I mean, that's where... Oh, wait, no, I'm... Way... Yeah. Wow. See, I, I know I'm tired when I like I make like silly mistakes. Like, that's where Michael Pineda go- was going. Oh, no, no. Michael Pineda was going around the 125th pitcher. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> um... He was he was way low. Yeah, because yeah, no... you could have gotten like Shane Bieber in that area. Yep. Yep, I was going to bring him up, too. And Darvish, so... my boy okay. Nick Pavetta, who just ruined seasons. Yes, he did. Glass now. So, yeah, the thing no, about... I just, I can't, like, there's so little upside. Like, this is the ceiling, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Last year, he was he was the Domingo Herman. He had 16 wins in that hybrid role. He, he, the Domingo Herman only from the wins, by the way. I shouldn't have even said that because he had nothing else similar to Domingo Herman. But he was the big wins guy. He put up 16 wins pretty much out of that hybrid role, which we've talked about. You want guys there. They have a better chance to get a win. So if they're good pitchers, sign me up. But he throws 88. That's where the Kyle Hendricks you know, comparison kind of lives. He can get a decent amount of strikeouts, 22%. That's not so bad, but a 3% walk rate is excellent. So he's good, not great. He's going to be 28. I think some of the Tampa Bay love, you know, uh, we tend to trust Tampa Bay with, with pitching. We'll keep him at a, at a pretty reasonable or a pretty high price. I don't know if it's reasonable, but it's going to be a pretty high price. I do think around that 125 mark is where you should look for Ryan Yarbrough and, I don't know. You might have to decide how comfortable you are with it. I, I, he's going to require a deeper dive, but I think I'm with you that I'm not necessarily going to be having him much. Yeah, um, I think he right. would be an interesting guy to pair with someone who is a really strong, like really strong skills, but on a bad team type pitcher. Or yeah, just like a major K guy who is mm-hmm. remarkably flawed otherwise. And you're just like, let's let's let me mentally pair the, you know, put these two together and see what I can get. Robbie Ray. That that's the actually kind of the perfect name. I was searching for one. You found it. Yeah. yeah. And you smush those two together and kind of look at what you're getting there and, and view them as a tandem. You even have to pick them similarly. So if they if you kind of did a back to back with if them, that could three. work out. I don't hate that, especially if I have a mega ace. If I have Scherzer mm-hmm. and then and then Ray Yarbrough. Yeah, Walker Bueller, Ray Yarbrough. Yeah, I, I don't hate uh, that. Yeah. I, you found a scenario where I could actually go ahead and take Yarbrough then. All right, so we, we talked about Carlos Santana, Jordan Alvarez. And by the way, folks, someone put in the comments, who's this Jordan we were talking about? Everything has told me that it's pronounced Jordan. If you got something concrete that tells me it's Jordan or Jordan – I'll go back. Um, I'm going to continue to say Jordan because I just I'm a white boy. Uh, but yes, it is it, the Hispanic Y is pronounced. It's a J. J. That's yeah. why a jalapeno is pronounced jalapeno as opposed to jalapeno or jalapeno mm-hmm. as the, as the super whites say. So. Uh, so yeah, so I'm saying Jordan Alvarez, Cattell Marte, Eduardo Escobar, Brian Reynolds, Lucas Giolito, Sonny Gray, Domingo Herman, Ryan Yarbrough. We discussed where they're going to be in 2020. Out of that group, who are you most likely to have multiple shares of? Oh, multiple shares of? Yes. 
I think that's Reynolds, and it's yep. probably not close. I, ca- I kind of figured you'd Though say I that. Though I think yeah. Dem- Domingo Herman is going to end up um, on, on a lot of my teams. Yeah, for me, it's actually uh, Herman and Santana if the price is where we put him. Because I've always liked Santana, and now there's even more to his profile that I feel like I can I can kind of bank on some of the changes that he's done this year. But even if he fell back to what he was, which is just like – you know, uh, bad batting average, but a decent power and a bunch of runs because of his great OBP. I'm not going to cry on that. And I, I could see myself doing a lot of if if I get a lot of wheel picks, getting a lot of Alvarez. Yeah, God, he's so like insane. a Marte Alvarez or a Starling Marte. That is, yeah. Uh, or like I said, the Trey Turner Alvarez would be like my preferred start. That'd be so dirty. That'd be such a dirty start. I love that. But uh, anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. I know that we're, we're trying to balance now versus 2020 stuff. I will have some now stuff with uh, with Nick this week. We'll be talking schedules for the remainder of the season as far as pitchers. And uh, the next time you and I talk, we'll do something a little bit more 2019-focused. Uh, hopefully we start to get some information on, on, on the call-ups and we can kind of be a little bit more concrete with that. I did a call-ups solo episode, but that was just guys I think could get called up. Once we start to get a flood of them, we can decide who we're buying on the market. The two early mock drafts are going to start, I think, next week. So That is indeed too early. I'm, I'm excited for it. Uh, so we'll start getting some early ADP data from that. Uh, mm-hmm. We can start talking about, too. So uh, so if people, if people want to sign up for the two early mocks in, that are in the industry and listen – uh, you can go to tgfbi.com. There's a, a tab a tab for it up top. Also, TGFBI 2020 uh, league signups are available on tgfbi.com. Never stops, and then that's good. We need that because uh, fall's creeping. Fall's mm-hmm. creeping. We're, we're starting to get all the dew on the grass here. It does, it's not very dewy when it's like 95 at nine in the morning, which I I like. Oh, Jesus, but that's uh, awful. Yeah, now I have to prepare. Charlotte's looking at me like, I'm not getting on that grass, dude. I know it's wet. I don't want to be on that grass. I hate you right now. And I'm like, just get it done. But anyway, uh, great talking with you. Um, probably not going to do another one this week with, with you. Uh, we're going to be on Wednesday. Well, we may, I I got – if you could fit it tomorrow, maybe it'd have to be. But otherwise, we'll I'll talk, be Friday we'll with talk. Nick. We'll figure it out. But, uh, yeah, you and I are going to be more in the middle of the week now with your school schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, once you get in the flow of your school schedule and everything, we will be doing two a week. It'll probably be Wednesday and Thursday, yep. but this week is a little bit different. So anyway, great talk. and I will get back to Sundays here shortly. Yes. So it's, and, we've had a hard time I'll, connecting. I'll mix in when, when available. Okay. All right. Well, have a good one and uh, talk to you later. Take it easy.